Doo. Welcome back to Cop Monologuing. I'm Ryan Kunzer. And I'm Errol Koenig. And today we are talking about an incredible movie. Um, I would argue my favorite movie ever made uh, about an egg sandwich. Um, and we're going to be talking about that with our very special guest, um, Esther. Say hi, Esther. Hi. Yeah. Welcome back. I know it's been a while. It's good to be here on this couch in our living room. Yep. You got to paint a picture for our ones of listeners. Yes, Ryan and Esther are not social distancing, uh, as you all should be. Um, so, I mean, we are social distancing from Errol because, you know, we don't just don't like him. So we kind of kicked him out. I mean, that hurts my feelings, but also my mommy said I can't visit you too. So I guess... Yeah, there's more, more than just, you know, you being mean, keeping me away. <laughs> so We're social uh, distancing by never leaving the house and only watching movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, that checks out. And it's also not much different from what I was doing beforehand. So fair. You know, it works out for me. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. But today we are, uh, in fact, talking about a movie um, that is so great. Um, and one of the few movies that truly capture my love of egg sandwiches, uh, Birds of Prey. Woo. Very good movie. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Loved yes. it. Absolutely oh, yes. loved it. It's, you know, it, it's it's so good. And not to do the thing that I do on every podcast where I talk about how much I love everything and just say so good a million times in a row. But, you know, so, so good. Uh yeah, this bum, bum, bum. this movie's great. We'll get that over with. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep, yep. Get the whole bed done. Rush through the bed, get it out of the way. Uh, this is just a really great movie. It came out earlier this year, uh, February, uh, in February, and it was you know, I would argue that it is one of my favorite movies this year. Uh, one of the top two, definitely. It's currently fighting with Onward for my favorite movie. Uh, it's in my top 10 all time of all time yeah that's i i haven't thought about it in those terms but you know it's this is one of those movies that i left the theater uh or at least like the movie ended and i was waiting for the critics i wanted to know who my new favorite director and writer uh, is (laughs) um uh turns out uh so kathy and the director crazy good job um this is really her first big movie that you know a lot of people have it got like a, a wide release so incredible and then uh, christina hodson uh, who wrote it uh also did bumblebee which i also loved um so she's great and she's also doing uh the batgirl movie and the flash movie so nice i'm very much looking forward to what uh, dc has coming up and uh yeah Cool. I think this was the last movie we saw in theaters before quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good Valentine's Day date, though. Mm-hmm. This was definitely in my top one movie that we saw this year in theaters. <laughs> Just curious, how many other movies did you see in theaters this year? That's not relevant, Errol. <laughs> you know, that's a perfectly fair point. Uh, it is not relevant at all. I, uh, as someone who has seen more than one movie in theaters this year. Uh, would also put it uh, up up there. Um, the other one uh, that is on my list is Onward, which is also another great movie. They both do great things. 
And they both, like, scratch different itches. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Onward has more of the emotional stuff that I love with all Pixar. But, like, this movie uh, is one of the funnest superhero movies I've ever seen. If not the funnest. I think they did one of the best jobs at, catcher- at capturing, like, the personality of a superhero than I think even a whole group of the Marvel movies have done. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's... it's I mean, thinking about how they were able to portray uh, these characters and how... Or, and, and just how to do it in a really fun way that... Uh, I, I feel like probably most similarly in for Marvel movies would probably be like a Thor Ragnarok with how they were able to balance uh, some character with... Uh, with you know a lot of fun and colors yeah i would Mm -hmm. say guardians would be the other one that would come to mind with its ability to balance multiple characters that all feel fully fleshed out despite the fact that this movie is really a harley quinn movie yeah yeah very true yeah Yeah. that's real good so errol since you've seen this most recently of all of us yes saw it earlier today Yes, so extremely recently. Can you yes. give us a quick rundown of the plot? And we will jump in with our um, not-so-director commentary as you go. Okay, um, so I'm going to start with... Uh, rather than telling this movie in the order of which it's being told, I think we should actually talk about how the movie is being told in general. Because mm-hmm. uh, Harley Quinn is is like the the narrator of of the movie and tells the story at least for the first half in a way that just jumps back and forth in a very ADD kind of way that starts like with one part and then jumps back to like some more backstory and it goes back to what's happening now and then it catches it just all over the place um and I think that's probably makes it kind of tough to talk about it in order cuz that means I would also have to be jumping around a bit um, but, uh, I thought this movie actually really used that, uh, narrator, uh, I guess device really well. It oftentimes I feel like with movies that use like narrators, like one of their main characters being the narrator, it comes off as lazy and ineffective, but I thought this movie did a really great job, uh, with that. I think part of what makes it most effective is it really shows who Harley is as a person because mm-hmm. there there is a tendency when you have a character that's, you know, quote unquote quirky or as mm-hmm. they tried to call her in past movies crazy to kind of go over the top about it, like show here's the one super quirky, super crazy thing that I've done. This demonstrates my entire personality mm-hmm. and the way in which she tells the story of the movie kind of demonstrates her really interesting way of thinking and that tells you more about how she sees the world than you know trying to tell it in order or having a different narrator try to tell you what she's thinking yeah it's i mean it's it's also kind of interesting how they do it um where it kind of goes in and out of uh breaking the fourth wall Mm -hmm. like I don't think she ever breaks the fourth wall on purpose in this movie. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but I think she uh, does at the end. Well, I, well, maybe a little bit. The, the The point more that I'm trying to make is like she's telling the story to the audience while the movie's happening on the screen. Um, 
And there's this one moment in particular when she's getting her delicious egg sandwich. Uh, and, like, she's talking about, about, like, how great it is. And at the very end, she says in the narration, you know, this is the best, you know, egg sandwich in all of New York. And I mean that. Uh, and then without, uh, without, I guess, transitioning to her repeating what she just said in her in the narration, she just echoes that sentiment. I mean that as the character. I don't know if I describe that well, but like it. Just, yeah. She kept the thread going from the narration to the character without, like, kind of, like it right. all kind of becomes one in her mind a little bit, which I thought was a really interesting way of uh, portraying that. I don't know if I explained that well at all, but it was cool. It works really well for how people tell stories when they're relaying something to friends. Because very rarely when you sit Mm -hmm. down with a group of people and go like, do you know what crazy shit happened to me this weekend? Do you go straight from like point A to point B to point C? A lot of times you start at point C with the beginning of whatever Mm -hmm. crazy happened and then wait, wait, no, I have to tell you who Brenda is. Wait, Brenda is dating so-and-so. And then it kind of peels backwards to jump right back into the plot to then realize that you need to explain something else that the viewer doesn't know. So it made it feel very organic to me. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It, it's it did a really great job with all, with all of that. Um, so yeah, now let me attempt to, to say what happened in this movie <laughs> in order. Uh, it is a tall task, but uh, let's just hit the high points. I'm going to try to speed through it, um, and I will forget lots of stuff. So please feel free to cut me off. Um, so Harley Quinn, uh, she breaks up with the Joker. Uh, super well. sad about. The Joker broke up with her. Well, the Joker broke up with her. I don't fully know. This is getting into potentially more uh, in-depth conversation about Harley Quinn, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd necessarily count that as breaking up with her because how his character works is that, like, he breaks up with her, but then, you know, she's just still caught caught on the string. When he wants her back, he just takes her back. And it's that cycle where, like, he breaks up with her, but he doesn't fully break up with her. True. Uh, And in this movie, what happens is he breaks up with her. She's sad about it. Um, And then instead of going back to him, uh, she blows up uh, Acme Chemicals. Uh, (laughs) Kind of as uh, once and for all uh, updating her her relationship status. And... uh, Announcing to Gotham City that she is single, putting a big target on her back. Um, so then at that moment, everyone goes after her. The police, uh, who else? Everyone that she's ever, you know, caused a grievance to. Mm-hmm. Uh, from, like, you know, a driver that she broke his legs or, uh, you know, a pet shop owner who she had her uh, hyena eat his brother. Um, a whole bunch of fun stuff. This is probably one of my favorite gags of the movie is just continually listing people's grievances. Yeah, it's, it is great. Uh, because like as she runs into a new person and like flashes on on the screen, like what she did wrong, uh, which I thought was kind of fun and also very comic booky of the movie, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely like kind of looked like a panel, each of those when they just pop up with the. You know, or the lady jumped out of the window, or not jumped out of the window, but popped out of the window, and she was the one that Harley broke her nose in the roller derby rink. Yeah, it was totally you know, law of conservation of characters. Like everyone that you saw in her flashbacks when she was 
like explaining who she was or what she was doing uh mm-hmm. pre and post joker like everyone came back for their moment yeah. of you know getting hit by a car or whatever yeah. i will say one of my favorite things about this movie is just how tight the writing is like every mm-hmm. single gag is used effectively every single person shows up and has an important role like the fact that cassandra is the person who's picking pockets at the roller derby who we see again picking pockets in order to get the diamond the fact that the harley quinn does roller derby and that plays into the entire final fight scene of the movie like Mm -hmm. every little like moment that you see becomes important later yeah i really appreciated that i didn't feel like there are any loose ends flapping in the wind yeah, I agree. It's, I mean, Christina Hudson is very good at what she does. And if you hadn't, haven't seen Bumblebee yet, I would recommend you watch that as well. Also, if you haven't seen this movie yet, stop listening to this podcast, watch it, and then come back. Um, yeah, she's great and is a very good writer. And yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So where was I? Uh, cool, yeah. So she has a bounty on her head. Uh, the police is also chasing after her, including Detective... Uh, Renee Montoya, um, who uh, is a police a detective uh, who had a big bust, you know, years ago, but her male partner took all the credit and is now the captain and there's tension and whatever. Um, she's about to catch Harley, um, but then Harley gets two people that were going to try to kill her to kill each other. And chaos is who's Harley gets out um, and runs into another person that wants to kill her. Uh, as we all do. As we all do, yeah. It's, this, again, this sounds very disjointed because, again, I'm telling a disjointed story from... Recol- it's, you know, it's disjointed on top of disjointed, so this is fun for everyone involved. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so she runs into someone else that wants to kill her, um, and when he's about to uh, take a swing at her... Uh, a lady with a crossbow comes over, shoots the guy in the neck, uh, and uh, rides off into the sunset. Uh, even though it's it's morning, as as we have specified, there is oh we didn't specify there is an egg sandwich at the beginning of the scene, and yes. what pushes her into realizing what trouble she's in is because she lost her delicious egg sandwich. Um, yeah, I I mean again I I've said this before on this podcast this is really the first movie that truly understands my love of egg sandwiches it's they're so good and i ate one right before we recorded this podcast and i will eat plenty more for the rest of time i have never seen anything that really encapsulates just a drunk or hungover person's desire for very particular food I have seen that same facial expression on many a drunk person walking in to get mozzarella sticks. So that checks out. Yeah. It does check out. Um so yeah, so she gets away. Uh or she doesn't get away cuz then after that uh Roman Sionis's guys catch up to her. Now let me go back to explain who Roman Sionis is. Uh, gee, this is... Ewan I, McGregor. Ewan McGregor, by the way, phenomenal in this movie. But we'll get back yes. to that. Uh, 
he is like a mob boss type person who, you know, wants to run Gotham City. Uh, he already controls a lot of it, but not, you know, not the same level of the Joker. But, uh, yeah, he's, you know, making moves. Uh, he's doing what needs to be done. He rips people's faces off, or he gets people to, he gets his assistant, uh, Zaz, I forget his first name, Zaz to rip off people's faces, which, um, a quick side note, my little sister says that was very icky and was not I mean, a fan. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, he wants to kill Harley now that Harley no longer has the protection of the Joker. So Yeah. Uh, he, uh, his goons catch her after, uh, the other goon that the crossbow killer killed. It's a whole bunch of stuff happens. She's caught. Um, Errol, can you, can you explain for a second why, (laughs) why he wants to kill, uh, Harley? Why does he want to kill Harley? I just saw this movie. I should remember this. Um, well, so Harley. There's a list somewhere. Oh, yes. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, now that that reminded me that I have a list that I prepared <laughs> for this. You know what? It's it's nine o'clock and I'm tired. And, you know, this is this is great. Um, I do have a list prefer- prepared. Um, my computer is acting weird. Um, but all right, I have the list. So like with all of the other bad guys that approached her and had a reason why he wanted to uh, or well, I yeah, he wanted to kill. Uh, Harley, a couple of cheese, I guess, but his list goes on. It's not just one, not just two. It's a whole bunch. And I'm going to read it to you because I took the time to uh, go frame by frame and uh, get all, all of the grievances Roman has against Harley. She disabled his driver. She pronounced it expresso. She has a vagina. She voted for Bernie. Which, by the way, as a criminal, being able to vote means the politics in Gotham City are much more lenient than the politics uh, in, I guess, America. So that's <laughs> interesting. Um, she peed in his Brita. She calls him Romy. She stuck gum under his table, stole the remote, calls him Queef Richards. <laughs> she sold a family heirloom. She spoiled lots of movies. She stole his limelight. She left a floater. <laughs> uh, she interrupted him once. <laughs> she didn't laugh at his joke. She forgot to use a coaster. She burped the alphabet. She trashed his bathroom. She left the toilet seat down. Puked on his carpet. Changed the channel. Broke a window. Ate his lunch. Crashed his rolls. Rolls Royce. Uh, ripped a loud one, <laughs> caused a ruckus, graffitied his car, and touched his paintings. It's a long list. I assume it goes on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They've known each other a long time. Yes. Yes, they do. Uh, and he does not want her around anymore. Um, however, uh, he's about to kill her, but... She says she will, will be. Or she's able to find a diamond that he is searching for. Now let's go back in time and explain where this diamond or what this diamond is. 
I will pause and say that interrogation scene where she convinces him is, again, as most of the scenes are, one of my favorites. Just because they do such a good job at implying violence without being exploitive. And that's a thing that they do very well with Roman throughout, is that he's an incredibly sexist, horrifying person who 100% hates women and uses you know, sex as violence. And you can see that in the way that he treats them. But the movie does a great job Mm -hmm. of indicating that without having the, I forget the word for it, the like titillation factor of no one in the audience is going to watch what happens and get off on it the way that Roman is, which is what a lot Mm -hmm. of movies or other shows fall into the trap of, of where it's no longer about showing how something is horrible, but getting off on how horrible it is. And they do such a good job at setting it up where you know that he's saying or doing something absolutely horrific. And then it cuts away and takes the power away from him. And this scene, it's when Harley switches to this great dance scene where it just cuts off all of the terrible things that he's saying. And you know it's happening, but instead Mm -hmm. you get a great picture into her head. And the other time when the girl is dancing on the table after having her dress ripped off, we're not really focusing on him anymore at a certain point. We're focusing on Black Canary and her reaction to it because that's what matters to the scene, not what Roman is feeling. Yeah. No. So uh, in that scene, like you mentioned, uh, uh, there's a whole dancing thing. She's dancing to the song Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend, uh, which is clearly the connection she makes because um, she needs to find a diamond for Roman. Also, the fact that Ewan McGregor was also uh, present in the movie Moulin Rouge watching uh, the same song be performed, uh, which, you know, fun fact. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so it's so uh, so the diamond. What is the diamond? The diamond is I'm forgetting the name of the fortune rich mafia family. They all are. they have their offshore banks. The passcodes or whatever, just keep them secret, are, like, put in, like, very fine letters in, like, at this diamond. So, able to, so, so in order to be able to get to the offshore banks, you have to get the diamond. Roman has found the diamond. The diamond's been missing for years. Uh, Zaz goes to pick up the diamond. He picks it up. Cassandra Kane reaches into his pocket, scoops it, and then gets arrested for scooping. Not the diamond, but for scooping something else. She scoops a lot of stuff. She's very good at scooping. She's a very yeah. good pickpocket. Yeah. Except she keeps getting caught. Well, because she gets, you know, greedy. Carried gets away. cocky. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so she overscoops, gets caught. Now Roman needs to put a bounty on this girl's head. Um. So yeah, that's where Harley comes in. She says, "I'll I can find the diamond." He says, "Fine, you go find it." So Harley goes off to find it. Uh, meanwhile, uh, he decides it'll be more fun if there's also a bounty on the girl. So there's a competition, uh, which is kind of fun. Uh, see them like run away from all the bad guys it makes it a little bit more. Yeah, bonding, Watch. I guess. Yeah. Um, watching yeah. the scene in the precinct <laughs> yes uh, so Harley goes to grab Cassandra from uh, the police station 
Now, while Harley's doing that, uh, Black Canary, who she has a whole backstory that I could go into, but it's just going to be more rambling. I'm going to save you guys of that. Um, <laughs> Black Canary gets in touch with uh, Renee Montoya and says, hey, Cassandra Kane, make sure you have an eye on her because there's a bounty on her head. As that happens, Harley comes bursting into the precinct, uh, guns a-blazing uh, with, like, a confetti Very colorful cannon. guns. Yeah, and like, paint, like, like canisters. Exactly. It's, yeah. like, it's half confetti cannon, half uh, paint cannon, half, like, beanbag can. It's, yeah. I'm pretty I don't know. sure those are references to different Carney games as well. Probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's... And then it just... Harley's awesome. Everything's the bisexual colors, which I appreciated greatly. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, she goes in and takes butt. Uh, This whole scene, I'm going to just give a very quick rundown of what happens. Harley Quinn goes in. She gets Cassandra. Bad guys get there just after. Uh, Harley fights their way out. Uh... Renee Montoya is going to stop them. Harley gets past her. And that's what happens in the scene, essentially. Yes. Watch it. Just please. Just just, just watch the movie if you haven't. I mean, I could attempt to just go beat by beat throughout that. It would come off as just a mish- mishmash of whatever. But it's just, it's so cool. It's one of the, you know. This movie is filled with, I think, the my favorite fight scenes in any any superhero movie. Yeah. Yeah, a couple quick highlights from this particular fight scene yes. as well. You know, Go off. Harley Quinn discovering a bat in amongst all the confiscated things at the police station and just getting completely delighted about the fact that she has a baseball bat now. Um, and then bouncing it off of the floor and into a guy's chin and making him do a backflip. Um, oh, yeah. Cassandra um, also hiding in the shelves. And then when Harley needs help, she just hands Harley a a, like cigarette lighter so that she can light the guy's beard on fire. Mm -hmm. The cocaine. Oh yeah. Just massive pile of cocaine that gets sprayed into the air and everybody gets high. Yeah. Yeah, You know, your, your usual police stuff. Yeah, I I would say the cocaine was the one thing. I didn't necessarily have a problem with it. Like, I don't think it made it any worse. Um, But I kind of like, in in my head, Harley, her... Like, the the cocaine in this scene, like, gave her, like, extra power. Like, it was kind of viewed as a power-up, in a sense. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel like, at least in my interpretation of what I've seen in the character and... I guess the rest of this movie is that she already has all of that in her. She has that extra level that she can get to without the, you know, use of drugs. I mean, I guess that it's like a funny thing to do because drugs are funny. Eh? I don't know. Um, so, I mean, I, I didn't think it was a bad choice. I just don't know if it was a necessary one, if that makes sense. I think it was just kind of like upping the ridiculousness of the scene. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, I, I don't know. It might be I'm more not anti-drugs, but I just I don't know. 
I don't know how to say this in a way that makes sense. Again, it didn't feel necessary. It was ridiculous, but I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I thought it fit with her, you know, post-hangover, hasn't really got any sleep, already gotten her butt kicked twice, and is in the middle of fighting a whole bunch of people by herself kind of thing of the, you know, she can do all of this when she's had sleep or rest or anything like that, but, you know, if you need a hit of cocaine in a police station to take you through the rest of the fight scene, who am I to judge you? Fair, yeah. fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so that was cool. Also, the entire thing when before they even got to like the evidence room uh where it was just uh like the the sprinklers went off in the like prison cell area and mm-hmm. you know everyone wants to kill Harley cuz of course uh that just whole fight scene it this movie i feel like it does a lot of like tropes that are overused and aren't don't always work it does a lot of those very effectively. I think particularly the the gratuitous slow motion uh, shots. Yeah. I feel like most of the time they, they're doing that and it's like not actually any cooler. Um, In most movies, in this movie, I feel like every time they slowed it down was just for like a holy shit moment. Yeah. Or so you could, you could get a good look at like somebody's face as they were being punched sort of thing. Yeah. Like it, it added something to the fight scene instead of just being a cool gimmick. Yeah, yeah. I think it works well when what they're slow mowing is something that's very acrobatic. Because mm-hmm. a lot of time I see slow motion used when it's a lot of, you know, I'm punching something very quickly or I'm using magic so fast the audience can't see it kind of thing. And for Harley, because she's doing so many amazing physical stunts, yeah. it gives your brain time to process what her body is doing and what people's reaction to it is so that you can track very complicated fight scenes without feeling like, you know, you're rushing or that you've missed something mm-hmm. yeah 100% I agree I agree I very much appreciate that also for this movie usually when we do recaps it's jumping from like big scene to big scene but this movie is so good that you have to go like plot point by plot point pretty much yeah it's I, it's also kind of like there aren't necessarily big scenes in this movie uh like it just kind of, kind of like how her, how like we were talking about like with Harley's brain, it's kind of like a stream of consciousness. It's, it feels like all of the events kind of flow together. So while there are like a couple like moments, you know, later on that like, there's like the clear battle scene in the precinct, the battle scene in the funhouse, and then, you know, the stuff between it just kind of like. Is like, well, this happens, and this happens, and this happens, and this happens. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. It also yeah. makes every scene matter in a way yes. that doesn't always happen in action movies. That's... A lot of action movies, it's, you know, big sight scene to big fight scene with one or two big emotional conversations between characters, and the rest of it is filler to get from one fight scene to the next. And instead, everything she does from the time that she gets margaritas with the girls at mm-hmm. a roller derby to just Cassandra pickpocketing something early on every little piece has an emotional resonance because of the way the story is told and the way you flip between scenes. You know that each character is important and each moment is the reason why some important scene later in the film happens. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I, I feel like what you just said was what I meant to say except told much better, so thank you for that. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know. It, like you said, it's just, it does a really great job going from scene to scene. All right, back to the summary. Uh, what happens next? Okay, so they leave the precinct. They rob a grocery store. Uh, they go back to Harley's house. They hang out. They become friends. Um, oh, uh, also when they get to Harley's house, uh, it's above this uh, restaurant. And the owner of the restaurant is a really nice guy. The only person that, you know, likes Harley. Um, he uh, lets her uh, stay stay above her, you know, doesn't tell anyone about it. Um, but then he tells someone about it. Uh, and, uh, and then so we trusted him. We did trust him. Emotional resonance. I, I, and also I will say we only got like one scene of him. And I feel like everyone just from watching that one scene trusted him complicitly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the word. Um, and it was just, again, just really well, like really good writing, being able to convey that so quickly uh, in a way that uh, worked well. So, yeah, um, he decided to sell out Harley. Uh, big boom in her apartment. Bruce goes missing. <gasps> Wait, who's Bruce? Did you explain who Bruce was? I don't think Bruce I said his name. Hyena. Bruce was the hyena. We talked about the hyena. Bruce is the hyena. Yes. We love Bruce. Uh, he, you know, ran towards the bomb. It went off. We don't see him anymore. Harley's freaking out. Um, as as you would if your you house got blown up. Yes. And been... how you know went missing. Yes. Yes. Um, I I would go be very distraught if anyone's hyena went missing in any proximity <laughs> towards me. To be fair, that, that is fair. I don't know. I I think it's just a new friend for me. I would appreciate the new friend, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's... Weirder things have happened in New York. Excuse me, Gotham. Gotham, yeah. yes. Not New York. <laughs> it's a def- definitely a different city than New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, different different place entirely. Um, but yeah, so uh, she runs out, sees that uh, she has been betrayed, and then she realizes... I have to look out for myself. So rather than attempting to protect Cassandra, she's like, I'm going to turn you in. But she doesn't feel good about it, but she does it. She says, I'll meet you at the at the fun house, at the abandoned amusement park or carnival or whatever. Uh, and you can get her there. So she goes there. Uh, and then at that point, um, everyone finds out about it, because uh, Black Canary uh, tells Renee Montoya, because again, she's the driver for uh, for Roman, which I don't know if I said that earlier. It's you like, did. There's, that's okay. That's There's fine. There's so many pieces. There's a we lot of pieces. We haven't even explained who Huntress is yet. Yeah. It's, I, I, I will say her... She... Oh, yeah. The, the Huntress, her whole deal is... This is such a clusterfuck. Uh, which, in the best possible way in the movie, in my recap of the movie, that's for you to decide. Um, 
But new, I'm going to posit a new podcast idea here. We just get Errol very drunk and have him explain <laughs> movies to us. You know oh, what? God. I'm here for this. How it's... fast can you get through complicated movies? Like, can we <sighs> can we make you watch like a movie version of War and Peace? <laughs> I would argue that it would be funner to do this with me drunk trying to explain a very simple movie because my problem whenever I try to or not a simple movie, but like a kid's movie. When I try to explain any movie, I include way too many details. And not the <laughs> ones that I'm supposed to. So it'd be you know, I guess there's like complicated movies that I could do, but I wouldn't understand those if I was completely sober. All so right. we, we'll start with with something easy like Toy Story and we can move on. Uh, know, that one's can, too easy. I can tell that one in my sleep. Yeah, brave. Try to explain the fact that the movie becomes inexplicably about bears because I still don't get it. That's actually a a very good one. I think if we are going to do this idea, brave is the one to as a a good one to get started with. We'll put that on the list. Okay, Ryan, make a note because I will forget. Um, Making a note. Yeah, where was I? Huntress. Okay, Huntress. She, uh, she is the daughter of the family that of the diamond the the diamond family that was yeah they were mowed down trying to find the diamond uh <laughs> and that's what happened she lived uh one of the assassins uh saw that she wasn't dead took pity on her snuck her out uh raised her to be an assassin and now she is back in Gotham, getting revenge on everyone that killed her family. As one does. As one does. And she asks every one of them, do you know who I am? Who, who is she? She's Huntress. Oh, yeah. Good point. No, I thought she was Crossbow Girl. The crossbow Killer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I go- she is one of my favorite characters out of that movie because she is so relatively awkward at all times that yeah. I felt like I was watching myself try to exist in Gotham <laughs> no, except I, with more crossbows I I mean I don't know if it'll ever happen I really want to see a Birds of Prey movie like not a Harley Quinn and Birds of Prey movie just a Birds of Prey movie and I would love to split it into two franchises where one is a Harley Quinn specific movie as she dives in and out of other people's problems. You know, mm-hmm. it's a Harley Quinn movie, but Batman happens to be in the background, like fighting the Riddler. It's a Harley Quinn movie, but she's shacking up with Poison Ivy. Like it's a mm-hmm. Harley Quinn movie, yeah. but she's, you know, intercepting Joker's story again just to completely destroy his plot out of, you know, petty revenge. And then a second line of just Birds of Prey, like, actually fighting crime with Harley Quinn popping in and out as a background character. Yeah, because what I got from this movie, because this movie was so Harley-focused, there wasn't as much, you know, room for these characters to just, like, for us to just watch and enjoy, like, the other characters. Um, And that's, you know, that's also a testament to this movie that these characters are so well-developed and how limited time they were actually on screen that I just want to just see them exist more in their own world, like without Harley. And that I think that would be fun. Even if Harley was included, just give them, you know, some more time to, to do stuff. I think the, the Huntress's character growth for whatever the next movie is would be really interesting. Cause she's learning how to be a person now mm-hmm. and that'd be really fun. 
In terms of character, can I totally do a sidetrack part of the conversation where mm-hmm. I say that I am that one of the things that I loved most about Birds of Prey, as I say about everything I say about Birds of Prey, is how well they did the queer storyline. They did what I've been waiting for movies to do, which is they made it very clear on that two of their characters weren't straight from the outset, and then it just didn't become a thing there wasn't yeah. like some awkwardly 100%. shuffled in romance or some moment where someone goes but but i'm gay and what do i do about it there was no homophobic language nothing they just put it straight off that harley quinn was bisexual from the very first artistic scene of the movie mm-hmm. and they put straight up that montoya just broke up with her ex-girlfriend and then it didn't become a big issue and yeah. that's what i've been waiting for movies to do and that's how you if you want to you know put queer characters in superhero movies and you're absolutely terrified that you don't want a... I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm going to back that up. You can cut that out. <laughs> I lost track of what I was saying midway through. No, I I, I, I do get what, what you were, I think, trying to get at. That, like, oftentimes movies, you know... I, I, we were talking about this earlier, like, in, what was it, Endgame. Marvel had their first gay character in the movie and they were, like, saying check it out, we have the first gay character ever in a Marvel movie. And it turned out just to be just a guy mentioning that he had a boyfriend or a husband in a scene, and that was they it. They never saw him again. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and and not saying that like scenes like that aren't important and aren't helpful, but it felt like the bare minimum versus this movie was like, it just assumed that everything is as it should be, which is how... It is, and then it just, it works. Yeah, it's it's a great way to kind of put the middle finger up at everyone who says that you can't have a gay or just in generally mm-hmm. queer character in a movie without it derailing the plot. Yeah. Because you don't always have to go into some sort of traumatic backstory or like character-defining mm-hmm. moment based around someone's sexuality or gender identity. You can just let them exist in a normal movie, and I really appreciated that this movie did that. Yeah, 100%. We even got the awkward conversation between two people who used to date and now we're throwing each other under the bus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was the most realistic, like, ex experience that I've seen <laughs> portrayed in movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, as again, really great as this movie is with everything. Just really it handles everything really well and is well written and it's done well. Where was I in my summary? I feel like I should they keep were going. At the carnival. <laughs> at the carnival. Cool. Um, they so they got to the carnival. Uh, everyone figured out that the carnival was happening. Um, Harley gets there first. Uh, oh yeah, I forgot to mention important plot detail. Uh, Cassandra swallows the diamond. <laughs> yes, that's how that, she that hides it. That does explain why everyone wants her. Yes, she swallows a diamond. That's that's where the diamond is. Uh, yeah. So and at the grocery store, buys a whole bunch of laxatives. They tries to keep things successful. moving. Uh, it's you know, stomach of steel. Uh, and yeah. So they get to the fun house. Harley tapes her up to, uh, a, you know, a toilet. Tapes her mouth shut. You know, Cassandra now realizes that. She, you know, Harley is going to be trading her for, uh, you know, her freedom. So, you know, 
Cassandra's pretty bummed out about that. But Harley's saying, you know, please just poop. Because if you poop, then you will be you will be able to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as that is happening, uh, Renee Montoya bursts in and starts fighting Harley. Um, she's drunk because she's just been suspended from the force, as all police officers in all movies, uh, you know, do, or all, you know, good ones, I guess. Whatever. Yeah. Um, the ones who want to do what's right, even when their boss tells them not to. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so that happens. She starts fighting with Harley. It seems to be, uh, I think Harley wins. Or at least knocks down. I think they draw. It's yeah, more or less a draw. Uh, but at that point, who's next? Oh, yeah. Uh, Zaz and Black Canary come in. Uh, and they pretty much put a gun to Harley and say, hey, don't. Or stop. Uh-huh. Uh, and a gun to Renee and Yeah, they Zaz. knock Harley out. Yes, they knock Harley out. Oh, that's right. Uh, he uses the trank gun on Harley. Cool. Trank gun on Harley. Uh, then Zaz gives a knife to uh, Black Canary. Put, puts her at gunpoint. He's realized that she ratted uh, Roman out to uh, to um, the police. Even though the police was suspended. Doesn't matter. Um, says, cut the diamond out of her... Out of her tummy, he uses tummy. It's really creepy. Um, <laughs> he says tummy multiple times, and it makes me uncomfortable. But you know, it's an effective choice for the role. Uh, yeah. So she doesn't want to do it, um, but then Huntress comes in and shoots him in the neck, and shoots shoots Zaz in the neck, and then everyone's together. Like, one big happy family that all hates each other. Yeah, right? they're all taking turns killing each other, Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, so at this point, uh, Cassandra's now untied. She notices that outside people are there to kill all of them. So they realize they now have to team up and fight the bad guys. Now, again... The, the other bad guys. The uh, Yes. Yeah, because Roman has, now, now that she knows that... Uh, Black Canary is a traitor. She, he's going to go there himself to take care of business. So he comes. He brings an army of people with him. A lot of people. And, yeah, so uh, the Birds of Prey, as they will be known soon, realize that they have to fight together uh, in order to survive. And they do so. I'm not going to explain the scene. Watch it. They're in a fun house. It is probably some of the most creative fight scene stuff that I've seen like they use like the like the you know hallway with the mirrors that like you can't tell like what's a wall and what's not because it's all mirrors they use that they use like you know a trampoline in the middle of the floor a giant like spinning disc giant hands yeah, like, I really just... want to know more about this fun house it's I mean I think logistically if you look at the fun house it's probably not the best laid, laid out one in terms of actual fun housiness but in terms of action fight scenes in a movie, uh, it works quite well. It Cause, does. Because you get a I taste. Mean, I, or you go ahead. Yeah, every fun house I've been to has a giant rotating stand with a bunch of rubber hands on it. 
that you hit people with, I guess. I mean, it's certainly fun to watch. I'm not complaining. It was just very interestingly designed funhouse. I mean, I feel like the, the funhouses that I've been to before um, are usually like each room has a slightly different thing. So there's like a room with all the mirrors and then there's a room where the floor is constantly spinning with like, mm-hmm. you know, giant hands. And there's a room where you have to like bounce on the tongue thingies. Uh, and then there's a room where, like, there's seesaws and you have to get on the seesaw and get across somehow. Uh, right. This one is kind of all just takes place in, like, one big warehouse. Right. Which, I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense because this is, like, the Joker's lair. So he probably wanted it to be, like, big open floor spacing because, you know, he's a fan of architecture, I guess. He wanted an open plan office for all of his henchmen. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would think. Um, so, yeah, but again, I, I'm not going to attempt to explain any more than I already did just because it's just, it's great. Watch it. That's, there's nothing else I can say about it. Yeah. They, uh, you know, they have their suit up scene. They get some weapons. Um, oh, yeah. I feel like that's you important. might want to explain what black canary does towards the end of the fight scene oh yeah well so uh so at the end of the fight scene they get to like the entrance of or back to the entrance of the uh fun house or the exit or whatever it is and they're there but like there's a bunch of henchmen still outside with guns now shooting at them and uh they're kind of stuck there's not really much they can do to get out uh except black canary has an idea, tells everyone to cover their ears, and then she black canaries all over the place. Now, what that means <laughs> is uh, she uses her amazing vocal powers and screeches, and everyone in front of her just gets blown back, you know, a bunch of feet. I also, at this point, should mention that the bad guys have Cassandra Kane. Uh, they they uh, scooped her, um, and she's in the car with Roman. Uh, driving away and they can't get out to get her so that's when black canary decides to do this harley who oh i'm also going to mention mid-fight scene she two two things that i should mention mid-fight scene that both feel important uh one harley somehow has time to switch into roller skates which is not explained but is commented on which makes it uh seem valid uh yep and the other thing is uh mid-fight Black Canary's hair is, you know, going everywhere, as people with long hair tends to happen. And Harley offers her a hair tie, which I thought was a fun moment uh, and a realistic moment, uh, you know, just having played sports with uh, Quidditch because it's a, you know, an all-gender sport. Uh, You know, seeing people with long hair, barring hair ties, checks out. Um, Yeah, so that was cool. And, uh, so yeah, so Black Canary screaming, Harley decides with her roller skates to just run directly into the blast and uses the force to propel her forward so she can catch up to, uh, the car almost gets there. She gets knocked down, but then at this point, the Huntress with her motorcycle rolls up and Harley's essentially like skiing, but with roller skates and a motorcycle instead of a boat and water skis 
Props yeah. to Margot Robbie, who does most, if not all, of her stunts herself. Because, man, she did a phenomenal job, both in all of the fight scenes and especially with what she was doing on roller skates. Yeah, it's across the board, her, uh, she did a great job. And even if they did use a, a stunt woman for a bunch of that stuff, um, which, you know, I know they did. She, for Suicide Squad, there was a good mix of both of them being used still. Um both of them did a great job. Uh, and it was just really cool. Um, they eventually caught up uh, to Roman uh, with the whole big fun chase scene on roller skates. And uh, Harley uses her like experience from the roller derby at the beginning of the movie to like catch up. And it's all fun and great. Um, uh, until Roman is about to crash, Harley's already taken out the driver. And she jumps out of the way so she doesn't die. Roman jumps up to the front, steers the car so it doesn't, like, have a head-on collision into another head-on collision. Um, So they crash, but they still live. They go onto a pier, and Roman blows up because Cassandra took a grenade from... That was explained terribly. That's what happens. It's awesome. (laughs) It's... Guys... There's a reason why I will never be a writer uh, or a director and why I think it's really great to help and why why what I want to do is to help those people uh, do well and not actually do it themselves because I do this when I'm attempting to tell (laughs) stories, especially when I am as tired as I am now and the movie is as bouncy as this movie is. So. Um, but yeah, that's what happens. You know, they crash, they go onto a pier, Harley runs after uh, him and, you know, she they says... have a bit of a standoff. They have a standoff, you know. exactly. Uh, Harley shoots the last bullet, doesn't hit him. Uh, and then he he's like, haha, I have all the power now. Um, after her, like, big speech saying that, like, I'm not afraid of you anymore. People should be afraid of me. Um, and then he's like, haha, I'm going to win. And then Cassandra says, thanks for you for letting me borrow your ring. He has a grenade. And Roman's like, oh, no, she has a grenade. Pushes her away. Harley kicks him over the edge. And as Roman falls over the edge, <laughs> splat. Yep. Yeah. And you uh, and McGregor. R.I.P. you and McGregor. And then, uh, then they get tacos. Yeah. And Cassandra goes to the bathroom. That's the movie. <laughs> Yeah, and they talk about how you know how much everybody kicked ass, mm-hmm. and that how they're all, if not friends, at least on speaking terms. Honestly, supporting girls, I'm here for it. Yeah, it's it's a scene that I kind of wish were in more movies, where it's just the good people after they won talk about how great of a job that they all did, and, <laughs> and how happy yeah. they are for each other, and all that stuff. So. It's like one of my favorite post-credit scenes in the Marvel Universe is the Avengers eating shawarma mm-hmm. after New York has been destroyed. It's that little bit of humanization. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's the movie. Um. Uh. Yeah. Thank you for listening to me do that, and I apologize for making you listen to me do that. <laughs> um. I had fun. Uh. But yeah. Uh. Other comments from the movie that you guys want to talk about? 
I want a sequel. I want a sequel with Poison Ivy where they're happy and in love and getting into shenanigans, and that's all I want. With also Cassandra Cain being in it, but... Mm -hmm. Margot Robbie and the writers here have shown that they can do an amazing job at this kind of movie, and I would like to see them continue. Yeah. And at the very least, DC has faith in uh, Christina Hodson uh, because she is still slated to work on two future DC movies. So that's right. good. Um, and, you know, they, they know that, you know, even though this movie, it did well in the box office. It didn't have as long of a run as it could have, you know, because the world ended. Um, yeah. Uh, but I, I think, you know, the movie was good enough that I think it's going to – it's going to at the very least get a Harley Quinn Poison Ivy sequel at some point. People want to see that. Yeah. It's going to be good. It's going to be real good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a thing I was going to say. And now I forgot it. I don't know. Other other things so. to talk about. I mean, the, the cast, top to bottom, phenomenal. There wasn't a single, oh, yeah. a single miscast in the entire thing. Like, you know, we already knew Harley Quinn was going to be great. Um, but, like, just across the board, Ewan McGregor, it, like... How he played um, the Black Mask or Roman Sionis was just so fun. And, like, it, it's a different type of bad guy. Like, not one that we've seen before. Not, like, a, not just I want to be bad for bad sake, which he kind of was. But, like, not, I don't, it's not like I want to be the biggest, strongest, muscly bad guy. It's, you know, he was a little bit more slimy, if that makes sense. Yeah. It was, it was cool. He's the kind of guy who, like, he was trying to get power because he felt like he deserved it. Yeah. Entitled Rich White, white Kid. is that, That's yeah. the bad guy he was going for, and we haven't seen too many of those um, right. in movies, which that was fun. But, like, also the the birds, uh, specifically Rosie Perez as Renee Montoya, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as uh, Hel- Helena Bertinelli. Bertinelli is the, the – that's the Bertinelli, Bertinelli. diamond and that's all that fun stuff. Um she was great. Uh, Journey Smollett Bell as Diana Lance slash Black Canary. They're great. Uh, Ella J. Basco as Cassandra Kane. Great. Chris Messina as Victor Zaz. Ali Wong as uh, Ellen Yee, the DA, the assistant DA. It just, and across the board, just great. Amazing. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Every time someone says Cassandra Kane, I think that. I, I forget that Alfred is not actually um, Michael Caine <laughs> and that Cassandra is not related to him, mm-hmm. but it's okay. In my Gotham, they are related. Yep. I mean, that works out. I, th- I think they can be related. That makes everyone happy. Mm-hmm. The logic makes sense. I think she's related to Michael Caine just straight up. Okay. Michael Caine just exists yeah. in the DC universe. Yeah. Yes. I, I think that's the move. Yeah. Yeah. Every, everyone who talks to Alfred is like, man, you remind me of that movie star. Mm-hmm. And he gets, yeah, I get that a lot. But secretly, he films movies on the side while Batman is out doing Batman things. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that works out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bruce Wayne's terrible with money. So, like, they've got to they've gotta bring it in somehow. Very true. Very true. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that's it, unless you guys have anything else going on that you would like to discuss. Um, no. No. Just uh, be ready for a drunk brave coming to a podcast <laughs> near you. At some point. <laughs> it will happen because I got nothing else going on, so why not? Uh, do I have to watch Brave Drunk as well? Yes. If you Start can. drinking while you watch Brave. And then we'll do the recap right after. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll be the person running this podcast as the only sober one in the room. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I am doing a virtual beer pong competition this weekend. How? Uh, I honestly, I don't know. My sister asked if she, if like I should do it too. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay, I guess. Um, yeah, so we're doing it, and it's going to be fun. Okay. And, you know, we're clearly not allowed to leave, so we're not driving anywhere, so it's going to be safe, and we're in our parents' house, so it's still going to cool. be safe. Yeah, um, all the cool kids drink in their parents' house. Mm-hmm. I need to make sure I have, you know, drinks, but that I like, because beer is icky. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Do straight vodka. Oh god no. That's cups. that's so much worse. That's <laughs> Ugh. It's, I, no no no. Tequila. Do tequila. Uh, I we do not have any tequila. My sister does not support tequila as um it does not sit well with her. I'll leave it at that. She probably is not a huge fan of me talking about this, but she'll never listen to the podcast, so I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that'll be fun. Um, maybe. We'll see. Honestly, I don't know. I've never actually played beer pong before, so we'll find out. Um, yeah. And that was on the podcast, so cool. And, but yeah, for everyone listening, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, we also thank you so much for giving us five-star reviews on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. As and Google Play. And, all of oh, them. Sorry, yes. my bad. All of them. Because mm-hmm. you can. We get points for all of them. And it, if you only do one, it, it makes us look bad, really. It's, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then it's all your fault. Mark. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you only do one, Mark Zuckerberg thinks that we're a bunch of chumps. And we don't want Mark Zuckerberg to think we're a bunch of chumps, do we? No. No, clearly not. I care what Mark Zuckerberg thinks about me very yeah, much. We all do. We all do. It's his opinion matters more than I think anyone else's, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but yeah, so yeah, again, thank you for listening. Um, this is always fun to do. Uh, you know, even when I don't know what I'm talking about and I'm talking for essentially an hour. I mean, you guys gave me some much needed breaks, but essentially an hour straight of just plot vomit. So that was fun. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I, I sure hope you did. Um, but yeah, that was fun. So yeah, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play. Uh, like, subscribe, um, follow us, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, caught podcasting, am I right? Yeah. Yep. Um, you can send us an email at caughtmonologuing at gmail.com. You could uh, fill in our form if you have any questions or comments you would like um, us to uh, answer. Uh we have gotten a couple, most of them, as you mentioned last time, about ASMR or Eurovision. 
Um, I was actually thinking, and this is kind of off the top of my head, we might we might be able to do a Eurovision one next week because I think it's supposed to be next week, but it's not actually happening. Uh, yeah, I thought it got canceled. It did get canceled. Um, it might be a time to like do like a mini brief history of Eurovision if we ever were going to do one. That's true. So if we were going to do a Eurovision one, we will talk to our Eurovision people and see if they would like to join us. But yeah, we'll see. That'd be cool. That would be cool. Um, So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for Drunk Brave. Uh, Stay tuned. What else do we have to do? We have, I would prop. I would recommend that we do Onward because that's fun. There's lots of movies that we didn't get to talk about that, uh, you know, I feel like we should. Maybe we'll just throw them all together in like one, into yeah. like one podcast after we've seen them, and we can talk about them. We can talk about Sonic and how disappointed I am about the redesign. <laughs> um, Hot take, yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually told someone in an interview for. Uh, a job that I liked the old design of Sonic better and uh, I did not get the job. So I don't know if it was related. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that was it. That was the thing that put, put them over the edge. Yeah. To be fair, it did come up naturally. It wasn't like, hey, before we get started, <laughs> let me tell you about my opinions on Sonic. It was like, what movies have you seen recently? And you know, I had seen Sonic recently, so I mentioned Sonic. It's like, oh, what do you think? It's like I thought it was, you know, really fun, really good. Uh, but I mentioned, as you know, because it'd be fun. I was like, but I actually thought that I it would it might have been more interesting to see with the original design. They were like, really? And we talked about it for a minute. Um, that's the podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the Sped uh, Errol's Ramblings brought to you by Cop Podcasting. It's uh, ten. G- yeah. At 10 p.m. That's, yeah, it's it's a weird day. It's you know I got my ADD going on high, but also a very low energy ADD. So it's a weird it's a weird thing going on. Um, but I had fun, and I hope you did too. If you stuck around for the song, I would assume you did. I don't know why you did, but you know, good for you, and thank you for sticking around. Um, we we appreciate you. Uh, yeah, cool. Yeah. Bye. Bye.